Hello there. Welcome to All Things Therapy Podcast. I'm Lisa Tahir, your host. Happy Thursday to you, wherever you are listening or viewing from. I want to share if you're interested in finding a therapist and working with the therapist, I am taking new clients. I have been a licensed clinical social worker for over 20 years. I'm licensed in California and Louisiana. I work with people all over doing virtual sessions via Zoom, FaceTime, and phone. Connect with me through my website, which is nolatherapy.com. It stands for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy, N-O-L-A, therapy.com. My social media is at nolatherapy on Facebook, Instagram, as well as my YouTube channel. And I would really welcome your podcast reviews. If you haven't reviewed All Things Therapy on iTunes or whatever platform you listen or watch, please do that. I would really appreciate it. It's something I've been doing in the last um, five months is really going and giving written reviews and star ratings of the podcast that I really enjoy. And my guest, who I'm going to bring on in a few moments, I just did a review of his podcast in the last day. So it really helps us out to get the show in front of more listeners. And that's one of the reasons why we do this. For me, it's about changing consciousness, one conversation at a time. And I believe we do that with our words and in our conversations. And it's just really awesome to have this 45 minutes with you today. I want to introduce you to my new favorite health product. If you're on video, you can see this packaging. Magic Mind. Little shot, a two ounce shot that contains 12 active ingredients. And I'm going to talk to you about some of those ingredients because they've helped me and my ability to focus my mind and get more things done in a flow state kind of way, which you hear a lot about now, versus as much anxiety as I've had in the past going through my to-do list. I'm able to approach it each day with more ease, allowing things to roll over to the next day and the next day that need to without feeling like, you know, I'm behind. And that's because of the products in this shot. I'm drinking some right now. This is my favorite way to consume Magic Mind. It's with some coconut milk and ice. So like a cold latte. And the cool thing about Magic Mind is that you can consume it with coffee, alongside coffee, and it actually aids in the absorption and utilization of caffeine because one of the products in here is matcha, ceremonial grade matcha. Matcha contains L-theanine, and that is responsible for the processing of caffeine in a way that extends the duration of you feeling the caffeine in a positive way. So there's not that crash where you have to drink more and more coffee and then you can't sleep at night. It just helps kind of extend the benefits of caffeine focus, the energy because of the L-theanine. Also, there is turmeric, which you hear a lot about nowadays, ashwanga, and lion's mane mushrooms in here. Those ingredients reduce post-exercise inflammation as well as decreases anxiety. And the last two ingredients I really appreciate being in Magic Mind are vitamin C and echinacea, which support our immune system. 
Magic Mind is gluten-free, it's pale-friendly, no nuts, and Magic Mind is giving you 20% off. And this discount stacks with the discount that they'll offer through their website. So you can end up with even more off to try them out. You get a box of either 15 or 30 bottles of these two-ounce shots. You can shoot it if you're in a hurry or mix it with Topa Chica, for example, coconut milk, or just have it over ice. And that that where to go to get it is at Magic Mind. Dot co forward slash att for all things therapy m a g i c m i n d dot co forward slash att or if you go to the magic mind website if you find it on google put in code att for all things therapy and it will give you that discount lastly forbes says focus is power and now it comes in a bottle magic mind with that, I am so stoked to have you, Matthew, on my podcast. You are a podcast host as well for with 236 episodes, which is really impressive. You're a ghostwriter, an editor, and you work with aspiring authors on professional editing, layout, and formatting, as well as repurposing stories from screenplays to novels or adapting novels into screenplay format, which I thought was really interesting. And I just want to welcome you today. Lisa, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a long, it feels like forever since you were on my show. It, it, it has been. It's been over a year for sure. How have things been for you? Everything has been great, you know, doing the best we can. Um, business has been good. Um, just happy to be here with you. I am too. And before we came live, you and I were talking, I, I was feeling like there are a lot of people that want to write books nowadays. And you said that that is so true. You've had to expand your business to accommodate authors that work with you. Um, it's crazy. Uh, you know, I had a kind of career and paradigm shift right before the pandemic. The pandemic drove that forward. And I think the longer this has drawn out, the more people are realizing that they either don't like what they're already doing or they want to do more of something new. And the way to differentiate that is to get all of their knowledge out there in the world in the form of a book. Yeah. <clears throat> it's such a wonderful way to reach people. Yeah. I mean, you, you nailed that, right? Your, your book was a bestseller. I'm sure it was tremendously helpful um, to your career, your audience. It has been. It's been so awesome. That's how we met because now I'm able to be a guest on podcasts and that you were one of the first shows I was on and it was really like I wasn't as comfortable then as I feel now. It's really different being on the other side of the mic for me. How is this experience for you? Um, it's one of those things that I, I think kind of like getting on stage or being a professional athlete, no matter how many times you do something, you're always still going to have that, that little butterfly in your stomach. Yeah. You know, I think that's a good thing though. Cause it shows, at least I think of that as like, I care, you know, when I have those like little butterflies, I do enjoy feeling, feeling more calm and peaceful. Cause I feel like I can connect now with my guests better without so many nerves, but it, it is still exciting to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the more comfortable you get and the more you, you enjoy what you do, the better the content comes across for your listeners. Yeah. So I came up with some questions to ask you. Um, we discussed talking about how writing can be therapeutic. And I was curious about, okay, writing that, that's therapeutic and writing that's writing. Is there a difference? Can you talk to us about, about the therapeutic values of writing? So I think the first distinction to draw 
is if you're writing strictly for yourself because you want to, that's where that therapeutic aspect comes into play. Um, Now, don't get me wrong. I love what I do, but if I'm working on client projects, I'm not going to say that that's really therapeutic. It's definitely not digging a ditch, but I still, there's still a level of pressure because I'm getting paid to perform and the output has to be what they're expecting. It's got to be at a certain level. Um, That's completely different than if I come home I have nothing to work on. And I just open my notebook and start working on a blog piece or start working on one of my own books. That is freeing and therapeutic. You know, that's exactly what I was thinking, you know, writing for yourself versus writing for others. I know in my experience, I felt like some of since my information book that there's a lot I wrote that didn't end up in it. And, you know, I made that distinction along the way. Do you find that as well in working with people? Absolutely. And I love that you just said that out loud, because this is one of the biggest conversations I have with clients is the importance of not censoring yourself, Mm. right? Because a lot of people as a new writer fear, oh no, am I saying too much, right? Like what is someone going to think of this? In the beginning of the process, no one's reading it, but you, even with my clients, it's just them and, you know, the two of us or whoever their assigned writer is. So there's nothing to be afraid of. And oftentimes getting it all out there in the, in the universe, off your mind, off your chest, um, you may make the decision that, hey, 30% of this isn't relevant or it is too much. That's okay. Yeah. But if you don't let yourself put it out there because you're afraid, you're winding back to need to. Because when I wrote my book, I, I didn't know you then to, to work with you, but the women that I worked with, it was really helpful to send them my work and process because I felt so exposed in some of the sections, you know, talking about personal things and it helped to share it with someone. I found that so therapeutic to just have someone else read my story, though I was, I hired them to do that. And but it was through that gateway that I was able to decide what needs to be shared more publicly and what that just kind of helped me release therapeutically. And it, I, it doesn't need to go into the final copy. Right. And you know what? Sometimes I think you hit on another great point. Sometimes knowing that you've paid someone for something almost relieves a lot of that pressure because now they, you, you still get the same therapeutic effect because you're getting it out. But it removes some of that barrier because they work for you now. You have paid them yes. to read this as opposed to a more judgment. It, that's so true. And it definitely helped to hire someone, you know, doing similarly to what you do to help me stay on task. And I'm curious how, okay, can you share with our listeners what it looks like? If somebody reaches out, I'm interested in writing a book, but they're new like I was, how do you help direct and guide them initially? So we believe in really making sure that they're comfortable and understand the process. Um, We have two tools that we use. One's a book planning checklist to get a high level overview of some really key items, like who is their audience? How are they going to judge success from the project? What is the message they're trying to convey? um, Or to put it differently, what is the problem they're trying to solve and for who? And then the other tool goes a little deeper on what those talking points are, what their message is. And we want them to really understand the result. They can one, sometimes two or three free sessions, just working with them to flesh out the concept um, and where that book is going to go. Because there are times where maybe it's not ready. 
Um, and I don't want anyone to start writing a book if they are not sure why they're doing it, right? They've got to be fully invested because it's, it's a process, right? You know, it's too, it's very oh easy God. along the way to say, this is too much work. I'm giving up. When you shared moments ago, like, why are you writing this? That's kind of a centering thought I kept going back to that was so helpful to articulate, you know, what, what problem am I, am I solving? What question am I answering? Cause that would help keep me focused when it can feel overwhelming. There's so many things to write about, but to come down to like the centering, you know, thought and purpose so that the book has cohesion. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there gets to a point where we don't work with anyone either, just to throw that out there. Like we really have to believe in the message. It has to have legs. Um, okay. It's got to do some good in the world. And when that, when you've got all of that going for you, you're almost doing the world a disservice if you're not sharing that information, right? Like mm-hmm. what you wrote about the, the concepts in your book, how everyone who reads it, if you impact one life a day, one life a month, it makes everything that you went through to get it out there it worth does. it. It does. 100%. So because I know for me, writing a book, it was really overwhelming. And I met you because of Randy Pizer, who I worked with. And Randy really helped like you do with like guiding and setting up the expectation because it's it's like a whole new world. It's like its own universe, you know, this book writing and publishing. And, and um, you know, now I think I've learned so much. Everyone suggests guidance to work with somebody because otherwise you can waste a lot of money and time you know, without someone supporting you and guiding you, what what would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, our our business model has changed because of that. Um, There's people on all levels of the spectrum, right? So you have some who've never written a book, really may not have the time or the ability. Um, That's more of a full service ghostwriting where we're going to extract everything, write the whole book. But because writing is so therapeutic, um, we will go to the other end as well for clients who want to try to write or who have some ability to write. We work more in a coaching and consulting capacity where they do all of the writing. We just meet with them weekly, hold them accountable, remind them why they're doing it, read them, read their work between meetings, give them that positive reinforcement. And it also allows them to control the timeline and the investment. Right. If they're all in and, and they're doing everything they're supposed to, we've had clients get their draft out in a month or two. That's amazing. Far cheaper than paying to have the book ghostwritten. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about ghostwriting. I appreciate you bringing that up. What is ghostwriting? And how, if someone's listening, how would they know this might work for them? So, ghostwriting is, and this is my definition, I'm sure the dictionary says something differently, but it's the process by which your knowledge, your stories, your information is extracted from you through a series of questions and interviews, then organized into cohesive, compelling written content in your voice. That's cool. How do you learn the person's voice? How does that happen for the ghostwriter? So that is a process. Um, In fact, that's what it about ghostwriting. We can sit in front of a computer and churn out 10,000 words in a day, right? Have a 50,000 page book in five days. <laughs> but how do I do that and make it sound like Lisa wrote it? Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a learning curve. 
right? So normally what we do is the beginning, there's a lot of talking in the outlining stage where we figure out what are the chapters, right? What are we going to speak about? Um, we focus heavily on who the author is, why they're qualified to speak about the information. So through that kind of immersion, we're learning a lot about the author. Yeah. And then when we dive into the chapters, we're just getting deeper, right? We, so now we, we've learned about them through the outline and that's why we submit it chapter by chapter. So okay. after chapter one, it'll be, Lisa, Hey, here, let me know what you think. Then the client reads it and gives us their feedback. Okay. So chapter one may have like, all right, well, you missed both. You're here and here. By the time we get to chapter three, it's usually a much smoother sailing process. Wow. That's fast. I think that's quick. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that it's quick because each chapter, I mean, you've got usually two or three calls for the interview, uh, for the outlines, each chapter is a call. So you, at this point, you've spoken to the person for at least four or five hours. Okay, wow. So you definitely get a sense. I think it's cool. You know, I interviewed a ghostwriter, David Ritz, on my show in the last year or so. And he was a ghostwriter for people like Marvin Gaye and Aretha Franklin. And he would actually like go spend time with them. It was a whole different time in his life. And so it was just interesting. You know, he really got into the mind, into the lives of these individuals because of who they were. And to me, it seems like it could be really fun to be a ghostwriter. How do you experience it? Honestly, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. And there are times where I wish I did more of that kind of work. Um, although it really, I, I'm so passionate about helping people who help others that I, I kind of, every time I think about like, oh, it'd be great to write a celebrity and, you know, get, get paid to fly there and, and do all this great stuff. Um, but just even my clients that I have on zoom and, and have never met in person, I have built such a camaraderie with them where when the, I just joked with one last night, like when the project's over, I was like, I hope you write a second book. Cause I don't know what I would do without having our weekly meetings or our bi-weekly awesome. meetings. That's awesome, Matthew. Wow. You know about their families. They know about yours. It becomes yeah. a, a very personal um, type of experience. It's not just, hey, I paid you, blah, 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 write the book. No, you you really get intertwined in what they're doing. They're in their whole life. Then the role of your podcast, Pen Podcast, which I did just review, I think like yesterday. So you should be getting that review on iTunes soon. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. What, so I imagine you've podcasted about five years to have so many episodes. Is that no? Uh, we are now in our 15th month. Oh my gosh. So you do episodes often. When it first started, it was um, kind of just on a wing and a prayer. And I had no idea what I was doing. I just reached out to every author I could find and Quickly enough, I found my calendar booked. Like I was doing 10 to 15 episodes a week. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I had to rein it in. And then I started saying, no, 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 we're only going to record twice a week. Yeah. And then those two full days would get booked up. Then I was like, all right, we're only going to do once a week. So now we've, we've really slowed it down to where I want to host who's me out once a week, two episodes a week at most. Okay. Because it was just becoming unmanageable to do that and also serve my clients. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So what is your mission with pen podcast or, or motive behind? 
really to to help educate authors and to help give authors a platform. So it's twofold. Uh, much like you said, you learn so much working with Randy and through the process. Yeah. Um, I love like we were doing round tables where we would bring in all in Randy was on one of my podcast episodes, uh, bringing in industry experts to demystify things like the publishing process, finding a literary agent. Um, how, how do you find a good editor? How much should you pay a good editor? Um, so there was all yeah. that back end stuff that I think a lot of new writers don't realize and think they can yeah. do everything themselves. And then there was the flip side of, okay, now you, you've actually written a book. How do you tell the world about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the back end. Yeah, pretty much. Do you have a favorite part, Matthew, of this process that you know that you really just feel more energized about than another part of the process? Really seeing people learn. I'm I, I joke with some of my clients that I'm like one of the worst business people on earth strictly because I love what I do so much. Okay. So if by the end of working with me, someone is able to write their second book on their own. I love that. That's like the biggest, that's better than a five-star review. That's better than a bonus. That's better than a traditional publishing contract, knowing that they learned enough to feel comfortable to do the next one on their own. Yeah. For me, that does it. That's awesome. The U.S. defense industry is large, complex, and competitive. It is also lucrative for those companies able to navigate it successfully. The American Society of Military Comptrollers helps bridge the gap between the boardroom and the battlefield while supporting transformation in the defense sector. The Business of Defense podcast brings you inside the companies working to achieve this directly from the business leaders and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. For more information on ASMC, visit asmconline.org. Do you help connect people to publishers also? So I have a couple uh, independent publishers that I work okay. with. Um, very few trustworthy ones that I will refer people to uh, because I'm on inexperienced authors and just take their money. Yeah, But I, I do have um, several hand-selected ones that I work with. And if my clients are dead set that they want to try to pursue a traditional, true traditional publishing with a literary agent, yeah. I will re- I'll immediately introduce him to someone like Randy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's Randy helped me with that portion. Yeah. yeah I do was- not enjoy the uh, book proposal piece. I do not enjoy the. Oh my gosh. Know. That was te- I didn't either, but it's, I did it and I feel <laughs> proud. Like it's definitely something to feel so proud of to go through this whole process. I didn't know there was so many steps. I didn't know the proposal, you know, like it's just, yeah, I learned so much. Yeah. And it, it's not the fun kind of writing. I mean, at least not for me. It's, hey, it, it's a business plan. It, it's, right, it you got to take the creative hat off for that for that proposal and really focus on it. Like, oh, I, at least it's going to want to invest in. Yeah. Yeah. How did you find this work, Matthew? What brought you to this line of work? Oh, I'll give you the quick version because we could be on all night talking about this. Okay. I, I've been writing since I was a kid. And that was never really considered a real profession in my household or in my, in my circle growing up in the Bronx. I was always told you have to go to like, unless you go to college and get a good job, it's not really working. So since there was no support for it, I went, got a degree in finance, got sucked into a 15 year soul sucking career of insurance, financial services, retail banking. And over time, finally realized how much I missed that writing. 
So in 2018, I quit um, to take part-time job at teach schools as a form of social emotional learning. Wow. And that was where I really first started to see it as the, you know, that cathartic um, benefit to these young, like a lot of, they, they didn't want to do it. They thought it was stupid. The ones who did it, um, just seeing the breakthroughs, I was like, wow. Um, and then the pandemic happened, they shut the schools. So I wound up completely unemployed and fate put me in, t- put someone in my life who is already a best-selling author and stuck on his second book because of business and everything else. And he asked me to help him finish writing it. Wow. And I was shocked. I said, people do that. Like I thought only celebrities do things like that. He was like, no, it happens all the time. He's like, you've written books. I think you could do it. Let's do it. And the rest is history. That was the beginning of 2020. And I've never looked back. Okay. Wait, let's back up a moment because did I hear you accurately? You went from this finance world to teaching kids in public schools in New York city, how Mm -hmm. to write. Okay. Mm -hmm. Whoa. How did you even get that download or know to go do that? with the kids. So in 2017, when I published my first book, which I want to hear um, about, yeah, I'd love you to talk about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was titled employed, it's titled employed a career readiness manual. And it was originally written, um, kind of as a, basically an interview guide book, because when I was working as a manager, I would have these interviews and the first step of the process was video interview. And I would get these great candidates until they came in in person, it's like they were a different person. Ah, interesting. And I was like, the, the, and I realized maybe it's the younger generation. They lack the, the interpersonal skills. Okay. So I wanted to help them. And then I started getting these realizations as I ha- realized I hated my job more and more. They were going for a job as a bank teller. Maybe they wanted to be a ballet dancer and no one ever gave them that guidance. Okay. So I changed the direction of the book entirely to now be based more on Figure out what you want to do in life. Surround yourself with people who are doing that. Mm-hmm. Right? If you don't want to be a, a janitor, don't ask the janitor for advice. If you don't want to be a cop, don't ask the cop how he became a cop. If you want yes. to be a ballet dancer, ask the ballet dancer. Yes. Um, so that book, then the middle section was more practical. Once you've identified, here's that interview and, and career advice, and then how to remain memorable. And that then sent me down this path of, how did I wind up here? And I went back to college. And I said, huh, I didn't learn an awful lot after spending a lot of money. So I wrote my second book, which was Grow Up, No Really. And it was all the skills I didn't learn in college. No way. With a degree to balance, they it's a car. They didn't teach you how to read an apartment lease. Yeah. Um, So it was crazy to me. So I wrote that book and then I started doing, um, I was getting asked to speak at different events. I was volunteering for the YMCA on their board of directors. So I would do career seminars for their younger employees. Um, I would do financial literacy seminars and most of the audience were always younger people. And no matter what I applied for, when I knew I had to get out of the bank, the only jobs that found me were banking jobs. Until one day I stumbled across this part-time career coach and it barely paid my mortgage, but I said, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot, right? This is kind of the trajectory I've been going on. I interviewed, um, I got it and working with those kids for roughly nine months to a year before the pandemic, um, solidified for me that I I need to summit team. And then I stumbled upon the gentleman who needed ghostwriting 
um, and the business has just been evolving ever since. What a story. What a journey, Matthew. I didn't realize you wrote two books before you even had your business, Pen for Hire. Yeah, actually, around the time I started Pen for Hire, I even put out my first fiction novel that I had started writing right before college. I picked that back up and made it a point to finish it to prove a point to myself. That is, this is definitely your wheelhouse and passion. Yeah. And I, I don't regret that 15 years because I might not have realized it um, or have felt as strongly about making it work because now I knew what I didn't want to go back to. Right. Absolutely. You know, I, I didn't realize you wrote fiction and nonfiction. Do you have a preference? Um, for clients, I really prefer nonfiction, at least in the ghost realm. I love, um, the author now that we just helped uh, get his book pretty much. It's going to be launching uh, in March. Um, personally, I really, I do enjoy fiction more. Maybe it's just a product of, I've written both, but most of my clients, I spend all day writing their nonfiction. So for me, that therapy comes in getting to check out and create something that's not real. I think that would be really therapeutic and fun. Yeah. Creating characters, worlds, yeah. scenarios. Yeah. That's cool. Where do you see Pen for Hire going? What things like are you excited about doing in the future that are either in the works or just that you're dreaming about? Really the um the vision is to become one of, if not the top go-to ghostwriting company in the country. Um, constantly, I mean, we've already hired a couple writers and editors, uh, by the end of this year, we're looking and re-offensive experience for our clients. Cause right now, or up until this point, it's ended it. We complete the book and then guide them. Like, you know, speak to this publisher, speak to this person. Yeah. I'm looking to develop a more comprehensive white glove, like in the beginning, you're going to have the option of getting a dedicated public relations specialist, a dedicated social media manager will help you create your author website. We'll help you do your wow. video book trailer. Um, we'll wow. help you get your audio book done. Um, so right up front, they will have this vision um, and a roadmap for how to make the most impact instead of just taking it step by step. That's awesome. Thank That's you. awesome. Yeah, you're welcome. You know, you, you bring up the audio book piece of things for me that's one of my favorite things I've ever done in my life so far because I've been a lover of audible of of audiobooks like it's just been a part of my life for I don't know the last several years and so when the opportunity came for me to to do my book in an audio version of course I wanted to be the narrator and I didn't realize how um, challenging that was I did four hour segments I couldn't do longer because my even my throat like it was it was like a marathon Matthew I had no idea I have never done it myself but that is what I've heard and usually my first piece of advice to clients even if they're dead set on it um is beware what you're getting into because you know anything can throw it off too right if you get an unexpected background noise um door slamming you, you may have to start that whole section over no, it's true. And even I would bring for a four hour segment, I would bring a snack and, but say I couldn't like, say if I had the snack when the shit that like, like, I'm sitting, it was like hey, my stomach digesting food. He's like, okay, we need to wait like 20 minutes till your <laughs> food digest. I'm like, holy shit. And me you and know, my voice, like 
you could, it was just so, I felt almost like maybe what a performer does, like wanting to protect my voice. So I sounded consistent from recording session to recording session. And at one point I caught a cold and we had to wait like a month until I got well. And it was just quite an, I loved it. I loved every second of like, it's like you're acting out your book in your words because you can't just be bland and boring. People are going to turn it off. So I found I had to, I'm like, you know, try not to wave my hands too much. So I'm not hitting something. And then that's in the audio recording, but really trying to make it come alive. I just didn't know what goes into audiobook making. It was, it was awesome and really intense at the same time. And on the end user side, I don't think anyone gets it, right? You download a book from audio audible and it tells you it's four and a half hours. Right. That did not take the narrator four and a half hours to make. No, it took, my book took 24 hours done in four hour days, you know, spread out over several months. So it was, and you know, the technician said some people are able to do say an eight hour day, but for me, my boy, I can't imagine talk, cause you're talking like this and there'd be like that clicking sound and he, you know, he'd say drink water. I drink all kinds of hot tea. So for me, four hours was the max that I could do. And I was exhausted when I left. Like I felt like, cause the, the level of focus and attention, cause reading that, you know, a blooper, and then I'd be like, oh, shit, you know, and he's like, I mean, it was just really intense and engaging at every level. And I would love to be someone else's voice. Like, I would love doing this as part of my living because, like, I loved it that much. But it was definitely something to prepare for. Like, I wouldn't drink alcohol the night before. I wanted to be totally present and fresh and, like, you know, in the moment. Yeah. No, you bring out a really, really good point. It is not for the faint of heart. It probably takes as much, if not more, discipline and resolve to get through narrating an audiobook than it does to write the book in the first place. You know, I never thought of that. But the whole process was a journey, like life-changing for me. I love Do it. Do you find that? Do you find that in the people you work with and even for yourself, Matthew? Oh, yeah. You, you can see as you get. Sometimes it's bittersweet, and I'll explain that. But you can see as you get toward the end where it's like, you're moving into final edits, the excitement level growing for them. Like we're almost done, aren't we? Um, But it also on the flip side can leave this kind of like pit, this void where it's like, well, now the book's done because you invest so much time in working on it. Right. That when it's gone and it's out there in the world, you're like, Oh, I don't have anything. I don't have to work on the book today. You know, and that's why I think a show like yours and mine come in handy because it's then transition time to represent your book. Absolutely. Yeah, that that is true. I mean, and that's part of the reason we started the show was authors, for the most part, by and large, by nature, are not good at self-promotion. Um, they're a little more introverted and giving them like a safe space where it's just other authors. The audience is mainly authors writing industry professionals was a little easier than trying to get them out there. And, you know, doing, there's some who are great at TikTok. Don't get me wrong. I've had some on my show, like they, they kill it, but that's a lot more nerve wracking for them to put them a comfortable conversation with another writer or professional. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. You know, I was so happy to complete my book. For me, the writing process, I scheduled 
writing segments in my calendar as if I was meeting with clients because that's the only way I would take it seriously and prioritize. And I'd tell family and friends, oh, I have clients till seven, but say three, four of those hours were writing times because if not, I could be easily talked out of it to go have dinner, have a drink, do anything else. And I knew if I didn't take this as seriously as I do my podcast hour, my client session hours, that it would never get done because I've wanted to, I had wanted to write a book for so many years and, but somehow I was like ready when I finally came to it, like I was ready. And um, do you find that? Do you, how do you help guide, you know, the people, the new clients, they need to absolutely to, I need to write 10 pages a day because that will just get frustrating. Right. Only thing you can promise yourself is that I'm going to show up for whether it be that hour a day or two hours a day. And then the second thing after you've taken that step is just what you said. Treat it like your podcast. Treat it like your job. Yeah. Um, right? If you're a therapist, you wouldn't answer your phone while you're with a patient. No, exactly. So when you're sitting down to do that hour writing, turn your phone off. That's exactly um, I, what I, I did. I've had clients where, I mean, me, I write by hand. I prefer to not even be near a device. Yeah. But if that's not feasible, I tell them, turn off your Wi-Fi on top of turning off your phone. Yeah. So this way you're not tempted by that ding of your email um, or to jump into a browser to do research. Because no matter how good your intentions are of doing research, it quickly spirals. That was serious. I had to, and that's how it got done. Like it totally got done. But someone who had a writing deadline, um, he went, it was a paid writing deadline. He went and bought himself a round trip ticket. I believe it was from New York to Hong Kong. Okay. Got on the plane. Wrote the entire way to Hong Kong, got off the plane, turned around, went right back to New York, finished the book on what? the trip because he knew it was, I, I don't know what that trip is. I think it's like 16 hours each way. Wow. So something like 32 hours nonstop, no sleep. And he knew that if he invested the money in the plane ticket, yeah, one, he'd have no distractions because no one can get you on a plane. Right. Um, I think it was a business class ticket too. So no one kicking me bum. We'll uh, talk about thinking outside of the box. Yeah. So if anyone thinks I'm crazy, read new uh, deep work or listen to it. I didn't make this up. I swear I heard it for myself. Wow. You know, it helped me too to research things like this. Like I found myself Googling when I was struggling earlier on because I finally like caught a momentum that was like unstoppable and finally got in that flow. But at first, I would Google, how did people, how do people write books? And I remember I was really struck by a woman that shared her story about having kids running around the kitchen and like a little apartment. And she'd take out her laptop and just write at the table with all these distractions. And I was like, okay, if this woman can do that, like I can write my book. You just have to really want it and do, you know, kind of like insulate yourself and do whatever it takes to prioritize that time and be consistent, show up, as you said. Yep. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are people who can do that. Um, not everything is going to work for everybody, but if you are, it, that's the best practice, right? Eliminate the distractions. If you can't, yeah, your determination level has to exceed your distraction level. It, exactly. Yeah. And then I did find that flow where it was like amazing. Like I remember just like I couldn't stop, you know, I didn't want to. Like I finally, once I crossed a certain point where like I'm in this, it really felt good to write. Like it felt like this really creative flow that I had never felt in such a way. Yeah. I mean, I, 
I would love for you to expand on that so people can hear it from you, not from me. Um, just that feeling, what, that how great that feeling of accomplishment is. Yeah. Like I felt connected to something greater than me, like flowing through me and my words and my mind. But it was like, I felt like when, you know, I've read about people feeling like they're writing, like in that flow state, like it was happening. And it felt just so good, that like energy to just, you know, it didn't happen every time, but it started to happen more frequently, the more frequently that I showed up to write. That book is an extension of yourself. You're Mm -hmm. pouring your heart, your soul, your knowledge into it. And in a way, it's a living thing because- it's going to be here long after you are. Yeah. Right. It's you know so many, exciting. How many famous writers weren't famous until after they were gone. Right. Right. That yeah. is almost, it's basically a way for you to be immortal. It is. It is, which I think is cool. Like really touching people's lives after you're not here physically, like how beautiful mm-hmm. that is. Yeah. Gives me goosebumps. Cool. I know me too. Yeah. So Matthew, how do you want to leave us? What, you know, I'd love for people to know how to connect with you to write their first book or their fifth. Um, what what would you like to leave us with today? As I mentioned earlier, we're happy to consult with anyone for free. Uh, they can head over to our, our website, penforhirenyc.com. Just fill out the, uh, the form and you'll automatically get a scheduling link to set up your 30-minute consultation, no charge. Um, you can follow me on LinkedIn at Matthew Harms. Um, I, I put up a lot of um, help, I like to think, helpful writing newsletters on myths and facts and ways to use your book as a business tool. Uh, so those would be the two best ways to get me. That's awesome. Yeah, I just started following you on LinkedIn this week. And I really advise anyone watching or listening to reach out to Matthew because the book publishing world, it's so complex and it really helps to have somebody let you know the most efficient, effective you know, way for you to get what you want out into the world. I definitely recommend you, Matthew. Lisa, thank you so much. I really always appreciate our time together. Me too. Have thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Y'all, that's Matthew Harms, penforhirenyc.com. If you want to write a book, just do it. Just do it. I, I can't say enough about how it's going to change you and the most wondrous of ways that you can't even imagine until you're in that process. If you're interested in getting my book, it is available everywhere books are sold, including Barnes and Noble brick and mortar stores. It's called the Chiron Effect, healing our core wounds through astrology, empathy, and self-forgiveness. It is endorsed by His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama. You can learn more about it at nolatherapy.com, my website, or just put it in Google. My name, Lisa Tahir, The Chiron Effect, and it will come up. With that, I want to wish you uh, an awesome rest of your day and beginning of this Valentine's Day weekend. Sending you so much love. Bye. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on LA Talk Radio.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.